We've got big updates on the Nationals rotation in Cardinals' pen and a couple of new starters to monitor. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-crews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball 15 for Thursday, August 6th. I'm Al Melker. I'm here with Derek Van Riper and DVR. Uh, we've got a lot of Nationals news, so let's let's start there. Um, and some uh, really alarming uh, news at first that turned out maybe not to be quite so bad. Uh, Max Scherzer was lifted after just one inning against the Mets on Wednesday night. Uh, it's not an arm injury. It's a hamstring injury, which... You know, I guess it depends how you look at it. Uh, the the reaction online was, you know, thank goodness. But uh, you know, he he does say he expects to make his next scheduled start. Uh, that coming to us from Mark Zuckerman of uh, Masson. But uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily take that as a given. Um, so you know, certainly better than it could have been. Uh, Steven Strasburg, good news for him. He did throw a sim game on Wednesday and could return. Uh, as soon as next week to face the Mets. And then we have the return of Juan Soto, who went two for four with a double uh, against the Mets on Wednesday. So good news there. Um, in terms of the uh, the Braves, Ozzy Albies and uh, Matt Adams, both on the injured list. So uh, in terms of second base for Albies, is there anybody that you like? Because uh, that's, you know, if you're going to lose somebody that's highly ranked at a position, second base is a, is a tough place to uh, to lose somebody. Yeah, it's a, a top-heavy position. I think I remember the piece that Owen Poindexter wrote for The Athletic back in February. All the months before <laughs> this one are yeah. kind of a blur. It was a cold month, so maybe that was maybe that's why I think it was February. Yeah, it, it is a really difficult position to find a one-for-one one replacement, but I do think the depth options at second base are better than they have been in the past. The replacement-level options, that is. They offer a little bit more. They're not just empty batting average guys. Uh, I think you can find in some leagues, like Shed Long might still be out there on the wire in a 10 or a 12-team league. He plays pretty much every day. He has a little bit of pop, has a little bit of speed. Kind of just fill everything in the short term. I think the concern for Albies is just that it's going to be a little bit unclear as to just how well he's going to recover. I think there's a possible bone issue with this wrist contusion, and I don't know if he'll be the exact same guy once he comes back, you know, he, he may be dealing with lingering issues with that pop beyond the time he comes off the IL. So uh, definitely a concern. And it just seems like Atlanta has been crushed by injuries lately. Mike Soroka to begin the week, you know, Albie's going down, Matt Adams, part of the universal DH mix. Not having him in the fold is, is a big deal. Uh, this is an offense that is still pretty good, even with missing parts, but, when you start looking at their pitching staff, they don't have the pitching that we expected, right? Like that's definitely a concern for this team. The depth is not necessarily there. I think they're going to have to make a trade, but it's one of those weird seasons where trading might be about as difficult as it's ever been since 16 teams get to the playoffs. There might be fewer sellers than ever before. Yeah, no, it's a tough spot, a tough decision. Uh, and, you know, meantime, we're trying to figure out exactly, uh, you know, like, what is it worth speculating on 
Uh, I think we talked about Bryce Wilson on a recent episode and a a name that didn't come up when we talked about the Soroka injury, who in in the time since then I've seen mentioned as a candidate is Ian Anderson. And certainly there's appeal there uh, if the Braves do go the internal route. So how do you read that in terms of, you know, speculating on a potential Soroka replacement? Yeah, I think Anderson and Bryce Wilson are probably both contenders. I mean, I think the case for Anderson to at least be brought in as a multi-inning reliever is stronger at this point than it has been at any point this season. I'm a little concerned at Anderson's control issues in the upper levels of the minor leagues. We saw him pitch really well at AA last season. 47 walks in 111 innings there. 18 walks in 24 and two-thirds innings at AAA after a promotion to Gwinnett. Uh, Still very, very young. We're talking about a guy who's just 22 years old, so there's plenty of time for him to iron out that issue. We've seen the Braves have some success uh, bringing down the walk rate of Max Freed at the big league level. So I think he's interesting enough to maybe speculate on him in a deeper like 18-plus team redraft league. I think otherwise, I'm probably waiting until we get some sort of sign from the Braves that he's actually coming up before I start thinking about him as a waiver wire pickup in more shallow formats. Yeah, and there's certainly other pitchers that you can speculate on. And there are a couple that we're going to mention before the end of this episode. So uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, getting back onto the uh, second base pool topic, uh, another loss from the pool. And and, and a a big one and a long-term one, Nick Madrigal has separated his shoulder. Uh, He'll miss possibly the entire month of August or uh, close to it, possibly more. And uh, that's, uh, you know, uh, another player that if you did lose Albies, that's one uh, that maybe you'd look for on waivers who, you know, at this point is not going to be a a short term option. In terms of the internal uh, replacement options on the White Sox, uh, Danny Mendick played second base uh, against the Brewers on Wednesday. But uh, Tim Anderson will likely be back off of the injured list uh, soon, possibly when his eligibility uh, comes up. And I would think at that point, maybe you see Larry Garcia slide over uh, to second base. So it seems like we keep talking about Garcia having his playing time buttressed. So I'm not sure if this is really an up arrow or a down arrow for Garcia, but what about him as as an Albies replacement? I think he could definitely scratch that itch. I I think when you look at what he brings to the table, it's just a little bit of everything, right? It's kind of like I described, a better replacement level second baseman on the wire than what we're accustomed to. He's eligible at a few other spots as well. So you could maybe move him around if you had to uh, once Albies comes back. 15 steals and 20 attempts last year. Popped the eight home runs. Hit 279. He's a career 258 hitter. So you got a pretty good batting average floor. Hasn't been under the 270s in the last four seasons. And he's a favorite of our guy, Nando Defino too. So I, I know Nando you know, wouldn't have wanted this to happen with an injury to Nick Madrigal, but he's excited anytime Lurie Garcia gets to play more. Yeah, I do not think about Larry Garcia or hear about him without thinking about Nando as well. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> they just go together for me. That, But that's how it is with the Nando guys. Uh, so uh, I made a, a, a move recently in one of my leagues that I knew was not really a bright move, but it, it seemed like the least bad of my drop options. And I'm talking about Ryan Helsley here, and I'm bringing this up. Because uh, it, it turns out that uh, the Cardinals are going to move Quang Young Kim back into their rotation. So very, very short uh, short tenure as the Cardinals' closer. And so that just opens that whole situation back up. Now, I don't know that Helsley is going to be the sole closer or even a partial closer. Giovanni Gallegos uh, 
would seem to be in that mix as well. So do you have, uh, you feel like you've got a bead on which way this might go or um, we just have to wait and see? I was surprised to see this arc since Kim opened the season as the closer. I mean, if you think back to that opening night almost two weeks ago now against the Pirates, it was a bumpy conversion, but a conversion nonetheless. And you just wonder, like he hasn't pitched in a game since then because of the layoff for the Cardinals over the weekend. How stretched out is he going to be? Like That's a bit of a concern. I, I think that's part of my hesitation with Kim, at least in the short term. I think in the bullpen, Ryan Helsley is the guy I was all over during summer camp, but that was because Giovanni Gallegos was away from the team. I think if Gallegos is healthy and back, and he has been, he is going to be the guy. So I wouldn't cut Helsley yet. Um, if he's available, I think he's a contingency bid for Gallegos, but Gallegos has shown us a little bit more at the big league level, so he's the guy that I definitely want to go after, and obviously because of that layoff, he's pitched once this season, but I don't think he's far away from getting that chance in the ninth inning again, and I think part of it is just the dominance we saw. Like Helsley, like I said, he's flashed some interesting skills, but Gallegos was excellent for an entire season last year for the St. Louis bullpen. Yeah, well, if you buy into skills and, and track record, then Gallegos would seem to have the clear leg up, which is why I was sort of surprised that Helsley, uh, when Gallegos was unavailable, that you know he was pushed so far up the the, the pecking order at that point. So yeah, I think I, I like the way that you're thinking about this. Uh, I will add that there are a couple of other options, uh, as Alex Reyes and Genesis Cabrera have both been called up. But yeah, I think that they probably are somewhere uh, further down the depth chart from either Gallegos or Helsley. And we got a, a number of items here for the Pirates. Nick Birdie, uh, unfortunate news here. He's on the 45-day injured list with an elbow injury. And Kanakela, once he comes back, which may not be too far off, um, he will be installed back in the closer's role. So, um, you know, even if Birdie had remained healthy, perhaps he wouldn't have uh, gotten a whole lot of save opportunities anyway. So if you got Kayla, definitely hold on to him. Also, JT Brubaker is going to start for the Pirates uh, on Thursday. So he'll be moved out of the bullpen. He'll replace Mitch Keller, who uh, is out with an oblique injury. Uh, I think this is pretty intriguing. I've been kind of keeping my eye on Brubaker's role uh, as, as somebody who would be a nice maybe 15-team uh, option. Also, just another note here that's related to this, although it may not seem like it initially. Uh, the Pirates are going to option Jose Ozuna and Guillermo Heredia to the uh, alternate training site because rosters are going down from 30 to 28 players. But there's a note here from MLB.com's Adam Barry on Twitter that says that the, the Pirates needed to have some extra levers up because it sounds like Brubaker probably won't be able to go that deep uh, on, on Thursday. So maybe we say see Ozuna and or Heredia back up again soon. But uh, what are your thoughts on JT Brubaker? Looking at the minor league numbers, they're better than I expected them to be. And just didn't pitch a lot in 2019. It was 27 and two-thirds innings and six starts altogether. Uh, good ratios, though, at AAA in that limited time we saw him. Okay strikeout rates at previous stops. It's an opportunity, and it might be enough for Brubaker to at least emerge to be viable in NL-only leagues, and then eventually, once he's fully stretched out, is maybe a streamer potentially in deeper mixed formats. All right, and we got another rotation change as well. 
Um, you brought up, I think it was on um, on Tuesday's show, DVR, that or Wednesday show rather, that um, you know I had managed the Astros in our alternate universe league out of the Park League, and one of the moves I made in that league was I put Josh James in the bullpen. He was terrible in the rotation. And uh, real life imitating out of the park <laughs> because uh, Dusty Baker is also putting Josh James in the Astros bullpen. It's a little more intriguing because he maybe is a closer candidate now, Josh James. And replacing him in the rotation is somebody I'm pretty sure you've brought up on an episode or two, and that's Brandon Bialik. So Josh James, Brandon Bialik, how do you see their fantasy value shifting with these moves? I think with... This change, Josh James is tough to roster in many formats. Uh, I think maybe he's a trade candidate if the Astros need to make a deal to bolster up their roster. I think there's still appeal from other clubs because the stuff is really good, even though the command isn't. It's just a really frustrating situation for fantasy owners. But this, these are types of quick decisions that we expected teams to make in a 60-game season, right? I mean, the Astros are a team with World Series aspirations, Josh James is walking a ton of hitters. You can't wait forever for him to figure it out. So, you know, I, I think Bielik's interesting because if you go back and, and look at what he was doing in the minor leagues, like plenty of strikeouts, results not quite as good as JT Brubaker, who we just talked about, but it's the org that you trust. Like they have just figured out a way to take what a pitcher does well and maximize that at every single turn. So, I think there's actually a chance the secondaries here are going to be good enough for him to at least stick as a back-end starter. I don't know if there's as much ceiling here as there is with, say, Christian Javier. So in terms of fab and adds and drops, I think the recommended bid's going to be a bit lower than it was for Javier. But this is betting a little bit on the organization's track record and a little bit on a guy who, frankly, is not a bad prospect, just is kind of not a highly regarded top 100 guy on anybody's list so people don't know much about him yeah yeah but uh definitely somebody uh much like brubaker that i think uh, you, you make the move right now if you can in a deeper league to see if you can pick him up uh as far as the wednesday performances go uh at least for the earlier games there, there were a lot of good pitching performances a lot of low scoring games but none that really i, I thought I would classify as a standout. I mean, Rick Porcello had a good start. Randy Dubnak. Uh, he had a number of pitchers getting a lot of ground balls. So good performances that weren't necessarily great performances for fantasy. So the one thing that kind of stuck out to me was Josh Tomlin uh, inching up his scoreless inning streak for the season up to eight now. Uh, he pitched one and a third scoreless innings against the Blue Jays. Got a couple more strikeouts. He now has 11 strikeouts, no walks, and two hits allowed this season. Uh, so... Any, did anybody make an impression on you uh, in Wednesday's games? You know, I, I was looking at the Marlins-Orioles doubleheader, and Alex Cobb pitched well again. And I'm starting to think there's something there. <laughs> I can't believe yeah. I'm saying it, but that was one of those lines that yet again stood out. Seven Ks, one earned run, two hits, five innings. I know he did it against a, a Marlins lineup that's not at full strength right now, but impressive nonetheless uh, so that was the pitching performance that really kind of caught me by surprise and we saw him pitch well his first time out as well so I, I think there's reason to believe Alex Cobb could contribute in deeper league and I think he's actually the type of pitcher who will get traded this season the Orioles will probably eat the money left on the contract he's in the final year of his deal finally and a team maybe like the Braves will be 
very content to give up a low-level prospect to get that depth boost. And you know, you might get lucky when when Alex Cobb has the thing. I think it's his change when he has that working. He's pretty effective. Yeah, no, he definitely, I think if there's a standout starter, uh, he, he definitely qualifies. And like you said, because he's uh, piggybacked that on top of a good start prior to that. So, uh, yeah, I like that call a lot. Um, our featured read for the day comes from Michael Salfino. Uh, and yeah, we're talking about small samples here. Um, you know, frankly, there aren't going to be any really big samples this season. Uh, but Michael's taking a look at, uh, you know, what we can glean from the data so far. So uh, check out his latest piece in The Athletic. What have we learned so far? Advanced stats, shift data, and velocity analysis. Good stuff there from Michael. So that's going to be all for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off of of a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball and 15 and everything from the site is a part of, of your subscription. If you're listening to this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we always do appreciate it when you take the time to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier and we will return here on Friday. <laughs>